On today's episode of Power of the Towel for the Nuxx Misconduct Network, the Vancouver Canucks are in the thick of it, the thick of a series against the defending Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues. And by the time you listen to this, on Tuesday, the picture could be very different for either your Vancouver Canucks or the St. Louis Blues. We get into all of that, who's playing well, Markstrom standing on his head, Tyler Mott getting more ice time than Elias Pettersson and JT Miller in Game 3. We get into that. Bo Horvat's dad strength. Some final thoughts on Jake Vertanen. And our guest this week is Samantha from the Broadscast. Should be a good one. You'll be saying wow every time you use this towel. He's not a person at all. He's a towel. You're a towel. But in Vancouver, mainly it's all about towel power. Are you ready? What is going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Power of the Towel for the Next Misconduct Network. Before you listen any further, please, before you listen any further, subscribe to the Next Misconduct Network and make sure to leave us five-star review on iTunes. We really appreciate it. Not only do we have this show, Power of the Towel, hosted by myself, Nick Bondi, we also have Sippin' on a 40, the post-game show after every Vancouver Canucks playoff game. It's Kyle Bowen's show, but I'm on it every week as well with a special guest each and every time. It's been a lot of fun doing a post-game show after every single Vancouver Canucks playoff game. Silky and filthy, puck talk and bullshit with the boss, Trevor Beggs, and Kyle Bound. Give you a little look around the entire NHL, not just your Vancouver Canucks, and of course, the quickie hosted by Trevor Beggs. A great way to start off your morning's Fabilla puck talk. Now, today is Tuesday, August 18th, and by the time you listen to this, this could be a very different series for either team. This could either be 2-2 or 3-1, tie series, or the Canucks have a stranglehold. I think the Canucks are going to win tonight 4-2. That's my prediction. But hey, we won't get into hypotheticals. Let's talk about what actually happened most recent game, game three, hey, champs came to play. The champs came to play. We finally saw a dominant, truly dominant, I think, game from the St. Louis Blues. The Canucks, let's admit it, got dominated at five on five, especially in that third period. Feels like the only way the Canucks were defending was, was icing the puck. It wasn't, it wasn't too pretty. It was not too pretty. Now, coming into the series, I thought... This was going to go to the distance. I thought this was going to be a long series, and it still has a possibility of going the distance and being a very long series for both teams. Look, St. Louis did not look good in that round robin. Let's remember, 0-3, didn't play well, and they kind of looked the part in those first two games. But hey, maybe it just took two games for St. Louis Blues to get going. Maybe it took that time. Maybe it took a little... Shock to the system to get these guys going and realize, hey, we're the defending Stanley Cup champs. We're better than being 2 nothing down to the Vancouver Canucks. And you saw that last night. 
You saw that last night. And hey, Jacob Markstrom stood on his head and gave the Vancouver Canucks a chance to win that game. He was, I think, all in all, probably their best player. Again, again, gave them a chance to win that game. Let's not kid ourselves. Now, the first two games kind of played out like game three, but the Canucks were able to pull out the dub because of their special play, special teams play. The Canucks' power play was awesome. Their shorthanded play was awesome. Their penalty kill was amazing. Guys like Tyler Mott, which we'll get into later, were awesome on the penalty kill. But that's, that's what the recipe was, of success was in games one and two. And it's going to have to be like that if the Canucks want to pull off their series. The St. Louis Blues will probably be the better team at five on five the rest of this series. But if the Canucks can take advantage of some undisciplined St. Louis Blues penalties... They have a chance at winning this series. They've got the upper hand. And if they continue their power play special teams dominance, they've got a good chance to win this series. Now, obviously, in game two, Tyler Myers went down with an injury. No coincidence, I don't think, that next game comes around, penalty kill gets a night off. You know, if Tyler Myers is not up, you're not going to take that many penalties, it seems like, these playoffs. But you saw, I think, what happens when Tyler Myers is out in this lineup. It forces guys to play maybe a bit more than what they're comfortable with. Tyler Myers, he's going to be out for game four as well. After that, I think it's up in the air from reporting I've seen from friends of the show like Matt Sakaris. But you've seen the effect of what Tyler Myers' injury does when he's out of the lineup. You force guys like Chris Tanev and Alex Heather, who have been both great in this series, play maybe a few more minutes than what they're used to at their age. And the defensive game, especially five-on-five, suffers, especially when you're constantly icing the puck like it seemed for the Vancouver Canucks. Bo Horvat had the game winner, OT winner, game two. Man, that guy, he is shaping up to be a big game player. And let's not forget, he was a big game player in junior with the London Knights, scored a goal with .1 seconds left to win the London Knights, the OHL championship in his draft year. He scored goals when he was just a rookie in that playoff series against the Calgary Flames, if you can remember, way back five years ago. So this is not unprecedented, but it's nice to see Bo Horvat in his prime get the love of being a big, big game player. And hey, he's got that dad strength. He's got a, got a two-month-old at home. He's, he seems like he's got that dad strength. Now, the most pressing pressing concern coming out of Game 3 was some of the ice time that Travis Green seemed to dole out. Tyler Mott played more, about a minute more, than Elias Patterson, about four minutes more than JT Miller. And it wasn't a situation where the Canucks took a ton of penalties and Tyler Mott was out there for a lot of penalty kill. He just played more than Elias Patterson and JT Miller. Now, I get that this was not an elimination game for the Vancouver Canucks. They were, they're still in control of the series, up 2-1. But at the same time, I like Tyler Mott. I think he's a great penalty killer. He's a good fourth liner. Really hustles, really tries. 
But if you want to win a hockey game, you don't lean on a guy like Tyler Mott, sorry, to get you the goal. Because that's just not what he does. He doesn't have the offensive instincts like a guy like Elias Pettersson and JT Miller. Again, spoiling this a bit, but we are recording this right before game four. So maybe Travis Green figures this out. I'm not too sure. But I would like to think Elias Pettersson and JT Miller will play more than Tyler Mott in game four against the St. Louis Blues. Brock Besser, that third member of that lotto line, has not had a good series. But I'm still confident in Brock Besser. You can't keep good players like Brock Besser down for much longer. I think the best is yet to come for Brock Besser, and hopefully it does. I really hope it does. It's a back-to-back in this game. Looks like Jacob Markstrom is going to get the start. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put Thatcher Demko in there. I get it's a back-to-back, but it's the playoffs. You got to go with the guy who got you there. Go with Markstrom, and he's been great. And I get, and I get it again. I get, it's, I get it's a back-to-back, but still got to go with Jacob Markstrom for sure. For sure. Now, our guest this week, very happy to have her on. We mentioned it off the top. It's Samantha from the Broadscast. Just a minute. Don't hang up. Yellow. You'll have to speak up. I'm wearing a towel. We now welcome on Power of the Towel. You know her from the Broadscast, from Area 51 podcast, and also for getting in fights constantly with the weirdest people on Twitter. It's Samantha. Sam, how are you doing? I'm really good, Nick. How are you? I'm doing really well. And just off the top, uh, as the very first female guest on this podcast, thank you for not making this podcast sexist anymore. I, I really, no. I really, I really do appreciate that. I didn't want to be labeled as sexist anymore. <laughs> I'm happy to help. Yeah. Hey, let, let's get right into that. The broadcast. It's been quite the quite the phenomenon so far. I've seen. I saw Danny today. Uh, Kyle's just showing me. We're in the studio right now. She was on City TV again. You guys have had yeah. quite the you know start to the podcast. What's it been like? Have, have, was this expected at all? Like, what's been like these past few weeks? It was totally unexpected. I think we we thought we would kind of launch it, get like a few hundred followers, and just see what would happen. And it kind of just blew up in a way that none of us saw coming. Um, like you said, Danny's been on TV. I think that's her second TV appearance now. We were on Breakfast TV and then Danny and Mal were on City TV tonight on the six o'clock news. Um, so it's been it's been a bit of a whirlwind. Yeah, a- absolutely. And like it's been like, why I'm saying that is I can't even get some of my friends to listen to this podcast. And you've got like already like <laughs> two thousand Twitter followers, you're on TV. Like it's been it's been quite the start. Like and congrats. Thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah, a- absolutely. And so and we talked about this with Vanessa when she was on a sipping on a 40 with myself and Kyle. Uh, I think part of the success of the broadcast, and I think it's fully deserved, is as, as a white guy, you, know, you, you, take adva- you take advantage, you take granted how skewed hockey coverage is, sports, sports coverage in general, how skewed it is to people like me. Like I am the target demographic for sports for most of these broadcasts, right? A mid-20s white guy. Like that's who they're targeting. And you see everyone on the panel see playing and you think, okay, well, everyone doing this is like me. But it's clearly yeah. not. Like there's clearly a subsection of fans who feel underrepresented. 
Yeah, I think that's right. And I think I actually, I was thinking about this the other day, um, even for fans like myself, um, I grew up consuming sports coverage kind of the way it is. Right. And I remember, mm. I, I remember watching Hazel May when I was younger and thinking, Oh, like, I don't like listening to female sportscasters. And that's something that I've had to unlearn even as a woman. Cause I just, I've gotten so used to consuming sports from the viewpoint of men that for me, when I first started consuming female sportscasters, I was like, this is weird. And I don't know if I like it. And it's just, it's not intentional. It's just something that you get socialized into because that's just what you what you see and what you hear. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like when I was 10 years old and I realized that girls too watch Star Wars. Like I was shocked when I was 10 years old. Like, what, girls watch Star Wars? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm so confused. But it's kind of like, it's kind of almost a similar thing where, you know, hey, girl, girls watch sports too and they've been underrepresented for, for so long, especially in traditional media. Why not start a podcast to cater to those people? Totally. Yeah, and what I like about your podcast is, and Kyle and I were talking about this, you, you've done a good job. There's five people, but everyone's also very different from each other. Like, you know, you've got five different unique personalities. That's That's got to be a fun podcast to record. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I The first episode was actually a little bit awkward because so only when we first recorded the very first episode, only Vanessa Georgia and I had met in person before very briefly at Georgia's International Women's Day watch party. And that was the night that Danny was doing Botchford Project. So she wasn't there and Mal's in Kansas City. So we had never actually all met in person and hung out. So the first Zoom recording we did was super awkward. And thank God Vanessa is good at editing. Um, but kind of since then, it's been it's a lot of fun to record. It feels like you're just sitting down and having drinks with your friends and shooting the shit. Mm. And I think another thing you guys do very well on the podcast and on Area 51 podcast as well. Well, let's give him a shout out. I like Sean. He's a good guy. He's had it. We've had him on his podcast a bunch of times. Give him a shout out. Is the focus on, you know, the social issues outside of hockey and everything encapsulating that. What need, what you have been a big opponent of, not, not opponent, but you've been big on hockey culture and how that needs to change. So how does hockey culture needs to change? Because again, as a, as a white guy, like I, I've, it's been geared always towards me, but how, how does hockey culture need to change to be more inclusive towards other people? That's also something that I've kind of learned over time. Like I grew up watching Don Cherry on Coach's Corner every weekend. I watched Rock'em Sock'em videos. So I, you know, I very much grew up loving the culture of hockey and it's only been in kind of the last, last five to 10 years that I've thought about the ways that it's maybe not intentionally exclusive, but it's hockey culture tends to be very conformist and it's very much about, you know, the team and what the team looks like and not being a distraction. And a lot of the, I think maybe unintentional side effects of that are that you tend to exclude people who are different because you're all trying to be the same. Yeah. And you see that in kind of the, the team mentality of hockey and it serves teams. Well, obviously if you want to, if you want to go far, but it does, definitely bring down individuality like i don't think you're ever gonna see like the nba fits like you do in hockey like it's just not part of the culture no i agree yeah and sorry what was i gonna say oh the the bubble so i hey i was doing my research before this podcast and i was listening to your interview with sean on the area 51 podcast and you were pretty pessimistic about this whole bubble bubble hockey and not, and not not putting you on blast but hey i was pretty pessimistic about it as well i thought that oh man like 
just the way hockey is, like all the spitting, all the sweating, you're getting up and like that's not going to be well conducive to get hockey to keep hockey safe. But yeah. for the most part, it's been off well. I had a positive test in like three weeks. What's your thoughts on bubble hockey so far? You know what? I was totally wrong about that. I think they've done a shockingly good job of managing it. Um, and I think the NHL deserves some praise for the way they've managed to keep the bubble safe, keep the players safe. Um, although I, I will say we don't know anything about staff testing. Like we only get the player tests, so we have no idea kind of what's happening with staff and ancillary workers um, and the, you know, the people who are cleaning the rink in between games and things like that. Like we have no idea how they're doing, but I think for the most part, they've done a really incredible job um, in terms of keeping the players safe and healthy in terms of the product um, and the way they've staggered the games and the way they've managed to create interest in it. Um, I think, I think they've done a good job and I did not expect that. Yeah. And one of the things that I've liked is the way NHL is poking fun at themselves. Like they had that one clip, Oh, thanks to all the fans. And they had like little fans in the stand. Like, yeah. I don't think you would see that. I did not expect that from the NHL. No, me neither. It yeah. seems like it's kind of forced them to be a little more creative, which I like. Yeah, and they, I think they've obviously been fortunate that they had the option of playing in Canada as opposed to the NBA, where I thought the NBA bubble was going to absolutely implode upon itself. When I saw they were going to Florida, I'm like, oh, man, Florida? Like, I know, they, me too. And, and, but they've done, a, they've done a good job themselves. Uh, let, let's, get, let's get to the series. Uh, before, before the St. Louis Blues series, uh, I thought I just I said straight up I thought the St. Louis Blues were a ve better version of the Minnesota Wild. Kyle did not agree with me. He thinks the St. Louis Blues are good on their own, but in the way that they can roll four lines, they have very solid defensive pairings. The way they play defensively, I thought it would be a good it would, if the Canucks could beat the Minnesota Wild, they would stand a chance against the St. Louis Blues. I said Canucks in seven at the time of recording. By the way, we were recording this right before Game Four. That's still very much in play. What are your thoughts on the series so far? I have been pleasantly surprised by the Canucks. Um, I was, I'm with you. I think I can't remember if I said Canucks in six or seven, but I definitely picked the Canucks and they've been better than I thought they would be. I think the break and the quarantine, like the COVID quarantine was in some ways really good for them. They seem to have come back with a level of confidence that that was starting to flag around March right before things ended. Um, and they've looked really good. Yeah. And what I put, put a lot of, stock into was not the season series because that was in a totally different world so far so far behind us that I didn't really play that much stock into it I played more stock into the round robin for the St. Louis Blues and they looked disinterested they didn't look that great Jordan Binion didn't play that well I think they didn't, they didn't even have a lead the whole time or something they were just terrible they were just straight up bad yeah. compared to a team like the Colorado Avalanche who steamrolled through the competition sorry in the in the round robin they looked they had we were just coming off a 7-1 win against the Phoenix Coyotes, they look like full steam ahead. They're going to, yeah. the Canucks have to play them next. I'm, I do not like their chances, but yeah, like I saw the the blues and I thought eh, maybe they, they don't look that interested. Maybe they figured it out now, but I'm pretty confident with the Canucks that they can at least extend this series, this and win this series. Yeah. I feel pretty confident the Canucks can win this series. I'm with you. I think that the two teams that I wanted to play were either St. Louis or Dallas. Um, I actually thought Dallas would have been better because I thought they looked even less interested than St. Louis. Although maybe that's wrong now that I'm watching them play Calgary. Um, but I think it's going to be a pretty 
I think they'll get they'll get through the Blues, but it's going to be pretty tough to get past either Vegas or Colorado. Mm-hmm. So uh, probably the MVP of this entire playoffs for the Vancouver Canucks. You can argue a couple of players, but one of them would definitely be Quinn Hughes. Uh, Kyle has said, shout out Kyle, he's in the studio right now, from since October that Quinn Hughes is the best Canucks defenseman ever already. What are your thoughts on Quinn Hughes? Is he already the best Canucks defenseman ever, or do we need do we need a bit more time? I think I would agree with Kyle. I think he's the best Canucks defenseman ever. I think he's just come in and he's changed the way they're able to play um, entirely with not that, not that much different on their roster. Um, but I, th- yeah, I'm with Kyle. I agree. Yeah. And, and we had Mike Marnego on the, on sipping on for you last night. And he said, you know, he's been a fan since the eighties and the Canucks have not had a defenseman ever like that in his lifetime, like a guy who can control the puck. And hey, I've said it on my podcast as well. Quinn Hughes is a guy, if everything goes right and the up and you know trajectory keeps on going upwards, he can win multiple Norris trophies, which I don't think the Canucks have ever had a defenseman like that. No, you're totally right. And I think the I think the craziest thing about it is that you've got Hughes, McCarr, Heiskanen, and Delene all kind of coming up at the same time. And we haven't even seen Bo and Byron play. Like there is there are some there's some really good defensemen um, coming up in the NHL right now. Yeah, and that goes to show how good the Avalanche. Sorry, bit of an Avalanche. We're, we're you know pumping the tires of the Avalanche on this podcast, but it goes to show probably how good they're going to be in the future when you got Kale McCarr and you got Bowen Byram coming in at some point in the future, right? Yeah, it's pretty terrifying. Yeah, and Bo, another guy who's been great throughout this playoffs, Bo Horvat. Seems like he has that dad strength now. Just had a kid. Yeah. He's looked awesome. Is it time? I remember. And I'm going to get your reaction to this. I remember when Corey Schneider was traded for that ninth overall pick. I was screaming at TV like, what are you doing? You can't trade Corey Schneider for a ninth overall pick. What the hell are you doing? And obviously, you know, seven years later, trade looks pretty well. Bo Horvat, what are your thoughts on him in this series? And in the playoffs as well. He's been awesome. I was... I was exactly the same as you. I was not happy when that trade happened. And it had nothing to do with Bo so much as I really liked Corey Schneider. Um, so I was really unhappy when that trade happened. And I I don't know that I was super active on Twitter at the time, but that's, that's definitely my recollection of how it happened. I think that it's funny because I think ever since he's been named captain, Bo's taken a lot of flack. Um, and it's been really nice to see him kind of pull it together and have a really dominant performance in the playoffs and have people appreciate what he brings to the table. Yeah. And it's, he's kind of become like the perfect second line center for this team. He can score on his own. He can make his own plays, but he doesn't have to shoulder the offensive load completely because he does have Elias Patterson right above him. Yeah. And I think that's worked out really well for him. I think it's been, I don't know. I, this is a little bit of a hot take. I think it's been kind of good that Toffoli has been out. Oh, okay. I know. I was thinking about this the other day. I I think that if Toffoli were in, you obviously wouldn't have the lotto line. And that's been, that's just been, that's worked out really well. And because you've had to move Brock up, that's given you this rejuvenated second line with Bo Louie and Tanner Pearson. And I... I mean, I think the only way this would be better is if Toffoli came back in and he took over Louis' spot. But I would prefer to see that over kind of the Toffoli on the top line 
splitting up Petey and Brock. Yeah, I, I would say the same thing. I think if Tyler Toffoli ever comes back in this series, you've got to put him on that second line with Tanner Pearson and Bo Horvat. Get two-thirds of that 70s line from the 2014 Kings. And get. And let's be real, Louis Erickson, I love Louis. I put money down on him to score last night. Did not, did not score, obviously, so I lost a bit of money there. But... Like Louis Erickson, like he's not gonna he's not gonna move the needle for you offensively on a second line. And selfishly, also what I want to see happen is him getting put on the fourth line, and we get to see what I call the buyout line of Louis Erickson, Jay Beagle, and Brandon Sutter on the fourth line. I love it. Yeah, just the it. the ultimate intangibles grit and like a, a fourth line that cost I'm just doing the math in my head fourteen million dollars. That that's was what I would want to see from the fourth line. I'm with you. I think that I think that would be amazing. Yeah, Louis Erickson. I really want to see Pearson and Foley together. I think they could do well in this series if they ever get reunited. But, hey, if that's Travis Green's decision, let's talk about someone else, Tyler Mott. Now, last night, the big talking point was this guy played more than Elias Pettersson and JT Miller. He played, I believe, a minute. I don't have the stats in front of me. He played about a minute more than Elias Pettersson and four minutes more than JT Miller. And the Canucks didn't even have to take that many take that many penalties like they had two they had two penalty kills so it wasn't a situation where Tyler Mott's on the penalty kill a bunch of a bunch of the night it's just Tyler Mott just got a lot of minutes so like Tyler Mott what the hell is going on with Tyler Mott and why is he playing so much that's the biggest question from game three in my mind I, I totally agree with you and this is coming from someone who I really like Tyler Mott um, me too he's great on the penalty kill mine is totally biased he went to the university of michigan and i'm a huge wolverines fan so i already had a soft spot for mott um but that makes no sense like i don't think he played poorly but it absolutely makes no sense that he gets more minutes than pd and miller yeah and i like tyler mott as well he's great on the penalty kill gives you a hustle but you don't go to him if you need a goal you do not because he's not that offensive player he doesn't have that offensive tool set like an elias patterson if, you, if you're up two and you want to protect the lead, then roll out Tyler Mott as much as you want. But let, let's chill out with him getting 24 minutes in an overtime game. Yeah, I feel like playing Mott that much plays exactly into the type of game the Blues want to play. Yeah, just kind of like a grinding style of game that maybe doesn't suit the Canucks exactly that well. Uh, another guy who had an eventful game, Jake Vertanen. Why do we focus on guys like Jake Vertanen that much? Did you know, he have an eventful game? He did. He he had eventful penalty. That was that was true. that was his yeah. big event. But other than that, he, yeah. I guess he didn't really do much. But why do we focus on guys like like Jake Vertanen? I I I finally decided, and I was a big Jake Vertanen, not so much Stan before the playoffs. But I thought Jake Vertanen, he's got all the tool sets needed to be a playoff guy. He's a good skater. He's got obviously hit a bunch. Got a good shot. Let's see what this guy can do in the playoffs. And there was obviously the big uproar before game one that he didn't going to the lineup now it's just like whatever he's not in the lineup he's not really going to do anything is it time to move on from jake for 10 from canucks fans is it time to say he is what he is at this point he's a bottom six forward you're gonna get me in trouble um <laughs> on twitter so i actually i was a huge jake for fan like i have a Rutan jersey i was really happy when they took him yeah like, local guy local boy. guy yes awesome yeah, we, local we, guy we always wanted nasty that streak yeah i was like this is this is a great pick and at the time, Malcolm, who's also on Area 51, was like, I hate this pick. He was like, he's never going to be a power forward, and you're wrong. And I was like, and I was like, no, you're like, you're out to lunch. Like, this guy's going to be great. And I'm 
I'm prepared to eat my words. It's been like six years. He's at draft plus six. And at some point, even if you buy the fact that power forwards take longer to develop and he did show a significant improvement this year, there's still just a lack of consistency and kind of getting it mentally that you just don't see game to game. That And it's incredibly frustrating because you know he has the speed, you know he has the size, and he just uses none of it consistently. Yeah, and I, I've just I've described Jake Vertan before as a lovable meathead. Like he always seems yeah. to get he always seems to get into trouble, and it's nothing anything too bad. Like I'll admit, like I didn't think like what was so bad about him at a nightclub. It was probably pretty stupid. It didn't look like a lot of fun, but he wasn't yeah. necessarily doing anything bad. And again, like with the whole set was a cell phone, and like he was wearing a seatbelt or something like that. To me, that's just funny. That's just him being a bit of a goofball and a dumbass. Yeah, it's nothing. He's, he's not. It's not killing he's like anyone. He's your quintessential dumb jock. Yes. For like, if we're going for a stereotype. Yes, exactly. And that's yeah. why, that's why I loved him. That's why like everyone should like, everyone should love him. But at the same time, it doesn't trans, like you have to put that away when it comes to the performance on the ice. And he's what Bill Belichick would call a jag. He's just, he's yeah. just another guy. Like he's just another bottom six forward who has traits. I think he'll stick around in NHL for a while because if you're a bottom six forward like that, you have traits that will stick you keep you in the National Hockey League, but you also have deficiencies that probably will prevent him from being a top six forward at any time. Like he's played however many NHL games, he is what he is. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's funny. I had a lot of people tell me this year that I got into a fight with someone about whether whether you would take Jake or William Nylander at this point. And people were like, well, the Leafs have never won anything in playoffs and Jake's game is absolutely built for playoffs. I was like, first of all, you've never seen him in the playoffs. Like that's, <laughs> yeah. that's just made up. And second of all, are you actually willing to pay Jake Rutanen $6.9 million over six years at this point? And a number of people told me yes. Wow. That's uh, that's really sticking to your take, but yeah. like, and Hey, I don't think that William Nylander contract is good, but I would not, take Jake Vertanen over him at this point. I would take another top six forward for the Canucks for sure. Yeah. I think it's a no brainer that you would take Willie over Jake at this point. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's get into what I call your Twitter game. How the hell do you have the patience to like just argue with people all day on Twitter? Cause I don't have that kind of patience. And frankly, I don't have that kind of clout. I do not have the Twitter clout necessary for people to constantly be in my mentions arguing with me. I'd like to think that I've toned it down a little bit. I think it got really out of control kind of earlier this year, <laughs> like January to March. It was really, really out of control. And then I started putting people on mute because um, it was just my problem is once I start, I can't stop. Like I'm a compulsive responder. And that's part of what I find fun about Twitter is I'll respond to most people provided you're not being rude or inappropriate. Um, I like responding to new people and, Malcolm's Malcolm's gotten a lot of flack for this, but he he has a rule where it's like if you're a troll, you have under a hundred followers or whatever, he doesn't even respond to you. And I I don't do that. Like there are tons of people who are just new to Twitter who just want to talk to someone, and I'm happy to do that. Um, but the problem is that once I start getting in a Twitter fight with someone, I it's compulsive. I think it's an addiction. It's really bad. Yeah, I need to stop. <laughs> yeah, no, please don't stop for my enjoyment. I do I do really enjoy watching you just take down people on Twitter. It's yeah. I sometimes, sometimes it's really fun. And sometimes I'm like, what are you doing? Like put your phone down and just stop talking to this person. This is not worth it. 
Is that how you decided to get into podcasting? You realized like, I've got a few good takes on Twitter. I'm going to the podcasting. I actually was very resistant to being on podcasts. Um, I, when I first kind of started getting more followers from having the Twitter fights, I had a few invitations from different podcasts and I was like, I don't really want to do that. I'm not comfortable doing it. And then the, I think the first podcast I did was actually, it was area 51 and Sean just caught me on a good day and he asked and he'd always been super nice and I felt really bad saying no to Sean. So I was like, sure, I'll do it. It was, it was a display picture. It was his, him smiling. That's why we told him to switch it back. Like we don't want, we don't want the mean mug. We want the nice smile. Yeah. And I was like, oh, he's look. Sean looks like he's 12 in that photo. Yeah. That's what I like about it. Yeah. And you feel really bad saying no. So you have to say yes. That's how he gets guests. That's, that's maybe what I should start doing. Just shave, shave the facial hair. Look really sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Make people feel guilty for saying no to you. Yeah, just guilt people into getting on, coming on my podcast. Yeah. That's my might be my 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 new move. Yeah, it's it's working. Clearly, it's working for him. Yeah. Yeah. So I did I did Area Fifty One. Had a lot of fun on that one. Um, and then I can't remember if I did another one. I think I've done a few other ones, but at some point, Sean and I had been DMing DMing for a while, and he basically said he was looking for help not necessarily on the podcast. He just said if he, he needed some help because Area 51 was growing. And I was like, I'll do some behind the scenes stuff for you. And like, I can contact people and ask for guests and do some research and things like that. Um, and I don't know how it happened, but that became <laughs> me being on the podcast. Um, and it probably helps that it's Sean and Malcolm and it's two people that I know fairly well and have a good rapport with. And so it just, it feels like, it doesn't feel like I'm talking to random strangers and it's been a lot of fun what i like about you i don't even know your last name i just like going you're like samantha you're just kind of like bono like samantha <laughs> you're samantha from twitter like that that's your thing so that was actually deliberate because for the longest time i didn't because i have such an aggressive twitter i didn't want like weird people to be able to look me up yeah you don't want people to talk um, to you yeah, so that's been a little bit deliberate. It is it is out there now because of some of the media stuff we've done on broadcast, but I try not to kind of advertise. Yeah, and I'm not. You know what? I'm not going to ask. I don't. I don't even want to know. It's actually on my Zoom. You can oh, see it. okay, Samantha. <laughs> okay, see now I know, but I will not tell anyone. You have you have my trust. Thanks, Nick. Yeah, no problem. Uh, sorry, we're just. I'm just looking this up here. Jake Allen. It looks like is going to start unless I've been trolled on Twitter. Um, Jake Allen is, is this, is this the right move for the Canucks to go up against Jake Allen again? I'm shocked. I read somewhere on Twitter today. Someone, someone had looked it up. I think Jake Allen, this entire season, the times that he's played back-to-back games has been pulled in the second game. So. Okay. Perfect. Maybe that's great. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Now back to our regularly scheduled programming. Uh, I heard you're a lawyer. Is that true? I am a lawyer. Okay. So I have some, me and Kyle have some pressing legal advice. Uh, Would you be able to help us out? Uh, I'm not supposed to give legal advice. Okay. So let's say it's hypothetical. But hypothetically, we can talk about Okay. So hypothetically, Kyle and I are in a bit of legal trouble. No, sorry. Not Kyle. No, sorry. I won't say names. Hypothetically, uh, Nicole and Kylie are in legal trouble. Would you be able to help these hypothetical people out? We can talk about what these hypothetical people should do. Okay, perfect. Okay, so but let's... it's not legal advice. Oh, yeah, no, it's not legal advice. This is all hypothetical. 
Okay, so let's say Nicole is driving back from the studio after watching a hockey game, and he gets pulled over, and they say, "Oh, you're stoned." What 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 advice would you give Nicole? Um, so I don't do criminal law, so I can't help you there. Well, but if you if if you did do criminal law, what would you do? I don't. So <laughs> I I think my recommendation would be for you to call a criminal lawyer. Specifically, a DUI lawyer. Okay, so well, what what kind of law do you do you study or practice? I do I do commercial law, like corporate disputes. Oh, like I thought you meant commercial law, like TV commercials. No. Oh, okay. That'd be way more fun. Is that a thing? TV yeah. law. I okay, so. I'm just talking on my ass right there. Um, okay, this is a question from Kyle Bowen. Uh, what's your favorite book? The Count of Monte Cristo. Oh, okay, I've never. What, what is, I've never heard of that book before. It's an old book, but there's also a movie if you want to watch the movie and it's really good. It's about a guy who basically gets stabbed in the back by his best friend who tries to steal his fiance and does by getting, by like framing him for a crime and he gets imprisoned and he basically waits 20 years and devises this insane revenge plot and executes it. And it's very entertaining. Okay. You said it's a movie? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to have to. Is it on Netflix? I don't know if it's on Netflix. It's a pretty old movie. It was. Do you know Henry Cavill? Is that the guy from Superman? Superman. Yes. Okay. He's in it. He's in it. But when he was like 15, like he plays the. Okay. So it must be pretty old. Son in it. Yeah. It's pretty old. Okay. Um, Okay. I have a few more questions here. Favorite, uh, Favorite type of food? Italian. Okay, well, you're talking Italian here. What's your favorite Italian dish? Um, I think probably carbonara. Oh, that's good. Where do you usually get it from? Yeah. Uh, De Beppe in Gastown. Okay, okay. I don't I really know Gastown. I'm a bit, a bit bougie for me. Uh, what else? I got, got another question here. Uh, favorite uh, TV series? Um, Succession. I do like Succession. Yes, I mean, that's the one with, uh, it's supposed to be, I guess it's supposed to be based off uh Rupert Murdoch, right? Yeah. That's why I've yeah, always like, right. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, favorite Seinfeld episode. If you watch Seinfeld. Soup Nazi. That's a good one. Uh, I was watching the episode, uh, the marine biologist where George pretends yeah. to be a marine biologist. That's always a good one. Uh, yeah. Top three Canucks players of all, of all time from your time of being a fan. Ooh. Um, that's really hard. Quinn Hughes. Already. Yeah. Brendan Morrison. And probably it's a toss up between Trevor Linden and Cliff Ronning. Oh, okay. Cliff Ronning. So you're uh that's definitely before my time, Cliff Ronning. But I would say who's the other one? Trevor Linden? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's a that's that's a good that's a good shout. That's a good shout. Uh well, how about favorite hockey player, three top three favorite hockey players in general? Doesn't have to be Canucks. Um all time favorite hockey player, Patrick Waugh. Mm. Um Probably, I'm going to have to go Patrick Waugh, Peter Forsberg, and Steve Eiserman. Okay, so you're a child of like kind of like the late 90s. Yeah. Okay, that's, a, yeah, again, a bit before my time. I remember my very first hockey memory was that 2002 gold medal game between uh, Canada so and US. Yes, that was that was a great game. Great. I was, I was watching recently, sorry, go off the tangent here, Bob Cole's call of that game yeah. during quarantine when I was really bored. Solid. Very solid. 
Are you solid. are you more of Netflix or Amazon Prime for streaming? Netflix. See, I like I've 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 used to say that as well. Amazon Prime has a bunch of good documentaries. Okay. Should check it out. I'm gonna have to switch over. I mean, I think I'm starting to run out of Netflix, so <laughs> I've watched everything on Netflix. What's your fa- What's your all time favorite Netflix original? Um. Oh, that's really hard. I think probably the one I've watched the most, and this is really embarrassing, is P.S. I Still Love You. I've never seen that. I would be shocked if you had seen it. Okay, well, what what is it? I've never heard of it before. It's like, it's a chick flick based on, like, a young adult novel. Mm, Okay. Am I allowed to say, am I allowed to say chick flick or am I going to get canceled if I say that? I think you can say chick flick. Okay, perfect. Okay, it's a a chick flick. Okay, I will probably not, probably not watch that, but. Yeah. Sounds good. Uh, my favorite has always been Making a Murder. That's like the OG, yeah. like that really, if you think about it, that is really the documentary that started the whole true crime documentary. Totally. Thing. Yeah. yeah. He, and by the way, he, he did, it was, uh, I can't remember what was her name. Not his name. It was like the shady kind of like a brother-in-law who I think killed her. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. their only alibi, their only alibi was they drove past each other at one point. Yeah. Right? Like that doesn't make any sense. You're a lawyer. That doesn't make that's not a good alibi, right? It makes no sense. Yes. Exactly. Sorry, where did you study law? We're gonna dox you a bit. Uh I studied law at UBC. Oh, okay. But you I thought see, I always thought see, I thought you went to Michigan. And that's why you're no. Michigan Wolverine. Oh, okay. Never mind. I did not. Oh, okay. I my uncle is from Michigan. He lives in Michigan, and so I grew up Wolverine Stem. Okay. Uh my mom's aunt used to live in Ann Arbor. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I love Ann Arbor. Yeah, I've never been there, but she always used to send me a nice sweater at Christmas. That was my that was my big relationship with her. A uh, couple more hockey questions. We're recording this Monday night right before game four. What's your, uh, well, let's talk about what we think, well, actually what we know will happen. So yeah, big win for the Vancouver Canucks tonight, huh? Absolutely. No question. Zach, Mc- game. Zach McEwen with a game winner on the birthday of his late father. What a great story. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be amazing? I was actually no. It happened. No, what you ta- what do we? If it would be, it happened. It it happened. It happened okay. yesterday. Yes, it happened yesterday. And when he scored, he did something like Troy Stetcher did and pointed to the yeah, pointed the guy. Let's go, let's go. Yeah, yeah. And we all cried. Yeah, it was a very emotional moment. Uh, Jacob Markstrom had a, a great game. Not yep. fifty saves. Who would have thought? Absolutely typical. Typical Marky. Yeah. Okay, one last question before I let you go. Uh, I have this book here, the book of questions. You can see it here. I'm going to ask you one random question from this book. And they do get pretty serious. I'm just going to let you... I asked uh, asked Blake Price last week for a question. It was about, like, if you had a two-year-old daughter and you realized two years in that she was the wrong daughter, would you give her back or something like that? They get very serious. So I'm just going to pull one out here. See... Okay, we're not going to ask question 197 because uh, it seems a bit personal. I don't know if we have that type of relationship yet, so okay. we'll, we'll skip Maybe that one. Maybe next time. Yeah, it's about, I'm not, I'm not going to say it. Um, okay, here it is. If a close friend asked and genuinely, wa- and genuinely sorry, wanted your opinion, but you knew he'd find it painful, for example, he's an artist and asked your honest appraisal of his artistic talent and you think he's lousy, would you tell him the truth? I think... I would, I would, but I would probably do it as gently as possible. And I'm not very good at that. So sometimes 
they don't understand that they don't get the like deeper meaning. Yeah, the oh, subtlety. It's not very you good. would treat them definitely different than someone you're arguing with on Twitter. Oh, a hundred percent. I'm actually not very confrontational in person. I'm only okay. confrontational on Twitter. You're the exact opposite of someone like uh, Canuck Clay, friend of the show. He's just not confrontational at all, not even online. Yeah. Okay, so let's let's put this to the test. Uh, if I genuinely asked you what you thought of this interview, what would you say? I had a lot of fun. I thought it was good. Considering I, we've never spoken before in person, exactly. I thought it was great. Well, how do I know that's genuinely your opinion, though? You just said you're going to try and say as nice as possible without hurting their feelings. I think if I were going to say it wasn't good, I would have been like, oh, it, you know, it was it was fine. I, I don't know if you would. I think you, I think the code is just to say it was great. Thanks for having me or something like that. I don't know about that. I don't know if I would full on lie to you. Okay. Well, here's, here's what I'm going to do to make sure I get that retweet because I got to admit, not naming any names, but a few guests we've had on the podcast recently, not just this one, have not given it the retweet. Uh, I'm going to tweet out a random- Isn't that annoying? Yeah. The least I find you, that so annoying. The least you can do is click the button. Yeah. Like, come on. Come on. And I, like, like, you, you don't have to write anything. You don't have to say no. I had a good time talking to them. Just like hit the retweet button. No. And especially someone like me who has zero Twitter clout, I, <laughs> I appreciate it. I need, I need the clout. I just, yeah, you're just giving the blank. You don't even have to give it the, the J-Pat, like, this was a great conversation. Shout out J-Pat, great guy. Uh, just, give it, just give it the retweet. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tweet out a promo at some point in the week. I'm going to yep. say, if Samantha Chant, Samantha, oh, not saying not say it, not saying it, <laughs> Samantha C, we're going to call you Samantha C, if Samantha blank uh, does not retweet this, she hates puppies. Perfect. Do you do you hate puppies? No, I don't. Okay, you better you better it, you better, be better retweet it. Yeah. By the way, that I'm going to retweet it. Okay. We're just going to we just got to make sure. By the way, the uh, question 197 was about your favorite sexual fantasy. So, good thing I didn't ask that yeah, question. That that might have been a little awkward. That would have been very awkward considering we yeah. like you said, we literally just talked for the first time. Uh, Samantha, thank you so much for joining the power of the towel podcast do you want a do you want to plug anything for our very small listener group very small um, considering to the broadcast broadcast i don't have anything to plug i think everyone is doing i think everyone complains about how many connects podcasts there are but i think it's amazing how many people want to put their time into doing this and like getting to know each other and i think it's awesome yeah and i I've had a bunch of fellow podcasters on. It's a, it's a solid community. You know, if, yeah. if you say yes to a podcast, you know, the, the, the thing is you have to go on their podcast as well if they've ever asked you. No one's ever yeah. asked me yet, but I'm, I'm waiting. I'm waiting by my Twitter DMs, just waiting for someone to say yes. And by the way, one last thing, me and Kyle were convinced the big 1040 announcement was the broadcast getting their own TSN 1040 show. We had... Okay, so that was Vanessa trolling people. I think it's because Vanessa we have, responded. We didn't even see the tweet. We just thought like, oh. You didn't see the tweet. We didn't so, say like, oh, we're getting, we're getting the show. They're getting the show. Vanessa responded to the, ten, to I think, Team Art's tweet with like a bunch of the like eyes. Yeah, that's and always. that's five minutes, I had like 10 people being like, are you guys getting a show? I was like, no, it's been like three weeks. Yeah, that would have been pretty impressive if you got a show within three weeks. It might take yeah. us, it might take us uh, three decades. At, at this rate, but we will get there. I assure you, uh, Sam, thank you so much. And, uh, Thanks so much for having me. And thank you for, you know, bringing more representation to the Canucks podcast community. Happy to do it. All right. Thank you to Samantha 
for coming on the podcast. Much appreciated. And I want to end this podcast with something I thought of kind of on the way here, thinking about the lineup. Jake Vertanen was probably the worst player on the ice in Game 3. He was, he was pretty much invisible. For the most part, pretty much invisible. Now, of course, there was a big uproar before Game 1 that he wasn't in the lineup. He got back, put back in the lineup after Game 2. He hasn't really done much since. And I got thinking, what's Jake Vertanen's place in the future of this team? And hey, you're talking to a guy who is or who was, I guess, a Jake Vertanen, not Stan, but I was hopeful to see what he could do in the playoffs. You look at, you look at the skill set. He seemed to be a very good player suited for the playoffs. He's a good skater. He's good on the forecheck for the most part. Good at laying the body. He's got a good shot. And that's what people have been saying this entire time is, Wait till the playoffs because he's a playoff guy. His style suited to the playoffs. Well, we've seen him in the playoffs now. We've seen him for approximately six games, and he hasn't really done anything except his most memorable moment is taking a bad penalty in overtime in game three, which fortunately for him didn't cost the Canucks the game. But I think it's safe to say with all the games we've seen of him in the regular season and the six games in the playoff season, Jake Vertanen is what Bill Belichick would call a jag. Just another guy. He is just another bang average player. He's just another bottom six NHLer. And when you're a bottom six NHLer, you have flaws that keep you in the bottom six, but you also have characteristics that will keep you in the NHL. Jake Vertanen, he is an NHLer, but he's a bottom six NHLer. And that's it. I think the book has been written on Jake Vertanen. It's time to ease off the Jake Vertanen talk for a bit. He's just a bottom six NHLer. And I know it's disappointing where he was drafted, all that stuff, but that's what he is. Anyways, this is this week's episode of Power of the Towel for the Nux Misconduct Network. I'm your host, Nick Bondi. Make sure to subscribe to the Next Misconduct Network. You get this show. You get Sippin' on a 40. It's Kyle Bowen's show, but I'm on it every time as well. We have a special guest every episode after every Canucks game. Stay tuned for that. We also have The Quickie by Trevor Beggs and Silky and Filthy, Puck Talk and Bullshit. Once again, this is Power of the Towel for the Next Misconduct Network. My name is Nick Bondi. Thank you for listening.